The title of this morning's Dharma talk is Transparent Thoughts. And as we all know, thoughts are pretty opaque most of the time. There are, some of them even turn into cement blocks. They're so heavy, we can't get rid of them. They're weighing us down. They're haunting us or chasing us, harassing us, and so on. So sitting practice of meditation, of course, is to intentionally look all of that stuff right in the face, to sit down and watch what has been happening to you maybe all night, maybe all day, maybe for a week, something that's going on, things that are happening, coming and going. And we're endeavoring to bring our attention to what that actually is rather than be uh, have our attention usurped by the content of the thought. The content of the thought is just like a little hand reaching out at you and getting a hold of your consciousness. It's like the cloud that wants the sky. It doesn't want to just be a cloud. And you know, there's not much reward in that, if any. You may sit down and begin meditating. You're doing all of the things that you've been told. You're holding still, you're holding this posture, or possibly another one, but generally holding still and observing what's happening. And what happens is the thoughts come and go, come and go, come and go. And you probably notice that you can't actually find something that is called a thought, because to kind of, even though it's intensely solid in some cases, it's also um, doesn't seem to have a front and a back. It seems to, it's kind of like watching freight train go by for 10 minutes, just over and over and over. And so, and these thought patterns convince us that this world that we're sitting in here, this one, is actually solid. This is something that's dependable, it's solid, we're here, we can count on it, it's going to be there tomorrow morning. So the beginning of sitting practice, sometimes I say, I might not do it in the actual meditation instruction, but I might talk to somebody personally face-to-face, depending on where they're at in their practice. When I say where they're at in their practice, I'm saying several things. I'm saying, had they really run into the, the difficulty of doing this, or have they found some way to kind of pacify and pacify themselves so they can stay in front of the wall. I used to do it. I would sit down and I think the best way to get through this is daydreaming. That's intended to be humorous. Sit down, hold still, and just daydream about it. But even that eventually runs out of uh, entertainment value. It's just it's just difficult to sit here and hour after hour and do nothing if in fact you meditate for that length of time. I'm not saying there's something wrong with meditating for an hour a day. That's good. Also, if you're interested in continuing this and having it being something that is deeper than just a something you do occasionally, something to chat about, then it seems to be necessary to spend more time doing that. And as I said, there's not much, we don't get much feedback from that. There are not many. We may feel, oh, I'm feeling a little better. Uh, I'm feeling more neutral or I'm less likely to uh, fight with somebody or disagree with someone. So that's a possibility, though a little bit, depending on your all the causes and conditions that show up in your body-mind complex day after day after day that we call me, me and my life, me and my personality, me and my opinions, me and my ideas, me, 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 me. These are all uh, thought patterns that have congealed into a lump of something called a, what an opinion, an idea, a viewpoint, not trying to particularly get rid of anything. 
it's important to see that those, if you look at everything closely, you see that it is transparent. That's one way of saying it. That's the way I referred to it in the title of the Dharma talk. But also you can see that it is an illusion. It is illusory. Isn't it amazing? It's amazing how we actually concretize yesterday and even concretize or solidify tomorrow to give us some kind of continuity in time and space. But if you look at yesterday, think of what happened, remember what happened. And if you think of tomorrow or what your plans are, what might happen tomorrow, there's not much difference in those two. It's like you're remembering the future. Illusory. Ten minutes ago, illusory. In the parking lot coming here, illusory. Unreal. It's not that it's not there. It's there, but it's not solid. Any questions? David, I mean Brad, excuse me. <laughs> Go ahead, David. How, how does a, a thought pattern congeal into a clump and yet still not be solved? So the, the clump aspect of it is the ignorance. The, the, the three poisons in Buddhism, as some of you know, probably most of you know, is passion, grasping, clawing at it, gripping it, holding it down, telling stories about it, any kind of activity around anything that appears tends to give it a, a quality of appearance, of, a, of validity. It's, it's, it's what's going on. It's your uh, desire for something, your desire for more of one thing, your desire for less of something else. Still desire, desire to be rid of it, desire to have more of it. And by being seduced by situations, we tend to go in and fill it up with our ideas about it, our explanations, our elaborations, uh, all of the tension that's there. And the, of the three poisons, the passion one and the aggression one, the one that's the most difficult to even know that is going on is ignorance. We don't really know that we're ignorant. That's why they call it ignorance. Notice how I said that. That's why they call it ignorance. Yes. Is there something that... Uh, our thoughts seem pretty solid. I mean, they have a solidity to them, and the physical space in which our consciousness has been uh, downloaded into this form thinks there are things that are solid, but fundamentally, probably not. It's just less transparent. It's like smoke is more transparent than bricks. They're both unreal. More. So what I was going to say is passion, grasping, elaborating, telling stories, and then aggression, pushing away, murdering, killing, destroying, uh, so that we can be someone who doesn't need that, uh, are more obvious. We can kind of see those. But the ignoring part is extremely difficult to see. I don't know if it can be seen. What The way it's understood is we realize there's a contrast there. We kind of notice if something starts to come apart, we start to see more deeply into the illusory nature of this situation. Then we realize that we've been doing this for quite a while. We've been just blocking out. Probably all of you have some kind of a story about some situation in your life very conventionally, very conventionally, where something was going on, but you it's just too painful to look at that. So you just ignore it. Quite often it happens in a relationship. Someone is maybe not being honest with you in the relationship. You don't want to think about that. That, that would be too painful. That would involve some passion or some aggression. So we just ignore a, kind of a, a subtle undercurrent of uh, an overcurrent of fear and a subtle undercurrent of hope. We fear that that's true and we hope that it's not. Hope and fear, hope and fear, hope and fear. That's what runs ego. We're not saying you shouldn't be afraid or step out of the way of a, of a uh, herd of buffalo. 
So bringing our awareness to the little tiny cover-ups, the little minuscule in our mind, as you said, you, you, this is your opportunity. It's hard to do it up moving around doing what's called meditation in action, unless you've done a whole lot of meditation in, uh, in action, but it's a very subtle form. Everything is moving all the time. We tend to, we tend to solidify things. And, and uh, is there a word that says opaquecize things? Is there one? My English major? Huh? <laughs> Who said that? I did. Who are you? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Good answer. Yeah. Opastify. Opalescentify. Yes. Does day, daydreaming on the cushion imply that we're pacifying? Maybe, maybe a little, but awareness of the day, daydream, uh, I hate to use this word, but trumps everything around it. It's the awareness, regardless of the situation that is happening, it, it, it rises above that. The awareness always rises above because it isn't anything. It's not phenomena. It's not something. It is the space in which the so-called some things arise. And we think we're separate from those things. But to realize that you're not separate from anything then who you actually are and what everything actually is, not to. And that's what I uh, endeavor to point out to anyone who will give me permission or give me, listen to me for a few moments. Not to, there aren't two things anywhere. Realize it. Yes. How do we see the way we separate ourselves and our thoughts and visions? I, I think it's just by repetition. You sit down and you just watch it happen. You watch it happen. And you, over time, you, at first we try to stop it. We try to push on it or shut it down or turn it off. And then at some point, excuse me, it's like, uh, you, you just can't strong arm that situation. It has to, it has to be, uh, we have to relax. And if we want something other than what is, it's very hard to relax because relaxing means this is all right, right here. So we, uh, sitting in front, in front of, uh, of the wall is, is, uh, very relaxed physically, but a, a very alert, so very relaxed, but very alert. And in that position, because body and thoughts, body, speech, mind, all of that is, are not fundamentally separate by taking, uh, doing something with something we do have some say so over, which is our body, you can actually get into a room, your room, this room, any room, or a hallway, sit down, hold still, spend as much time there as you can. And, and just keep repeating that without any added expectation about it. Because the thing that characterizes a, uh, uh, um, shall we say, uh, hesitate somewhat to use these words when I'm going to do it, uh, a beginning student from an advanced student or a beginning or intermediate student from an advanced student is the advanced student is absolutely sure, without a doubt, they will never give up. But they aren't giving up, no matter what. The commitment, it goes way beyond anything they said in front of the teacher. They don't need that. Another question here? How do we relax? Uptight. So we, we use the body. We sit down, hold still, and we look at the uptightness without, without abandoning it, ignorance, without justifying it, passion, and without fighting with it, aggression. So we sit and hold still and just observe, just observe. And eventually, there's no guarantee, particularly, because the causes and conditions that need to fundamentally settle themselves are going to take a while. And so we sit and we just allow that to be the case. And allowing that to be the case might mean not fighting with the, the, the qualities that are saying you're not relaxed. I don't feel relaxed. I feel like I feel terrible. I'm, I want to do something. I want to, I need to get out of here on all of that. It's just a, um, 
it's it's kind of like a transcendental stubbornness. You just you know you found this path. You know this is correct to do this. You know that there's no mistake about it. Not not going to any any kind of evaluation. You just know that you need to find out who you are. That's a simple part. You know, the Buddha is. Uh, although you probably wouldn't be here without the teachings of the Buddha, that once you get on the path, it's somewhat beside the point. From then on, it's just okay. This got me here. Now, who am I? What is this? Find the contrast. The contrast is is a there's something, and then there's something else, and there's a contrast. And between that, between those two, there's there's some kind of a gap there or opening. Or that you can't have contrast unless you have some kind of uh, even metaphysical space between uh, two things that are being referred to. More mm-hmm. uh, from Gilkado up in Minnesota, yes. she asks. Uh, trying to look at thoughts seems to generate more thoughts about the thoughts. Do thoughts become increasingly transparent by looking at them? You can say that. And, and they also, uh, the, the transparency or the lack of solidity also doesn't necessarily show up as a visual uh, form or metaphor, but shows up as, as being illusory or unreal. It's like a really intense goblin or ghost or something like that is, is there, and yet it's not there. So it's unreal. So it's illusory. The whole world is illusory. Yes. Um, you just said advanced students yes. never give up. What is to give up? What's to give up? What is given up? What is given up? What is? Who's giving up? What's given up? Who? Say that again. Advanced students never give up. Okay. What's, Got it. Okay. What's giving up? What What is giving up? What are they giving? Well, advanced up? students don't do that. <laughs> Rephrase your question, I'll answer it. Or I'll answer it without you doing that. Does that work? Can you handle the answer? What do you ask me? <laughs> uh, you're trying to find out what it is that the person uh, would give, give up if they were uh, an intermediate student? I guess my thought pattern is... <laughs> okay, go ahead. If there's nothing really to give up, why... Well, you're getting, here's what's happening. You're getting a little bit ahead of, uh, it's when you put, uh, what is it, the cart ahead of the Volkswagen? Yeah, way out there. You're, you're getting a little bit, I understand what you're, where you're saying. There, there really isn't anything to give, to give up. There isn't, but do you realize that? What are you doing here? Just hanging out? More? I forgot what I was going to really ask. <laughs> when you were talking about it, I, I had a great thought. Yeah. But now it's... It's illusory. It's illusory and it's transparent. Yes. Shane from California asks, talking about awareness of daydreaming, can awareness of the present occur simultaneously with a daydream? Yes. A question from Sheldon in Union City. Yes. If we actually realize that thoughts are transparent, what changes? Well, I think one of the things that could change is we just see how much everything is changing. We, 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 we have less tendency to want to stop anything or freeze anything in space. And we actually see that things are changing constantly all the time. Things are coming and going. So we're more aware of all the movements that are happening. Still a provisional teaching. Yes, sir. You're talking about being certain, being sure that we'll never give up. Yep. Is, should that certainty be looked at with skepticism? It probably already is happening. It's just, it's just a, a feeling you're going to, you've, you understand this, you're, you've studied long enough, you're clear enough on it, either from the teacher, or from the Sangha, or from, from the teaching itself, and from the way, watching your own mind, the way that works, 
you realize you need to do this. So there, as far as skepticism, um, the, I think the skeptic, skepticism has already uh, run into the brick wall. Go ahead. What is certainty without locking down? Find out and then let me know. And then I'll give you a, a, an advanced student badge. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just a way of talking about it. It's just what I'm saying. Um, and, and I didn't invent this. I heard someone else say it. So, but it's just like, there's something to that. You just know that you're not going to give this up. You're not stepping out of this. When people come into this, you start, you start to run into difficulty dealing with your own body, body, speech, and mind. And we, we've been here, and I'm not saying this to, because I'm some kind of a medium or something. I'm not. But we've all been here many, many, many times. We've been incarnated and incarnated and died, incarnated and died. This has been happening and happening and happening and happening. And this is, this is an opportunity, you probably have more, where you, where you have come into through causes and conditions, through your own karma, your own karmic connections. You've walked into a building where something is being taught, not because this person is so, so wonderful, but because this person ran into some people who were, uh, who understood what this world is about. And so, yes. Um, passion, aggression, and ignorance. When I hear aggression, ignorance, I'm like, okay, I can give those up. Yeah. But passion seems to be like, uh, of the three, it's the only one that has a positive connotation in our, so is there? Well, yeah, they're both positive and neutral. Here, you, you don't have to give anything up. Okay. I've never said that. If, if, if I ever said that to anyone, is anybody, even students of mine that talk to me almost every day, I never tell you to let go. I never tell you to give up. I just say, train your mind. I just say, be aware of what's happening. I put it all on you. My teachers put it all on me. As you're going to have to do this. And I'm telling you the same thing. You're going to have to do it yourself. And it's not particularly comfortable to do that. You may eventually have to see the ignorance, see the the passion, I know what you're saying about the conventional idea of passion is being passionate about art, being passionate about food, having emotions. Oh, I love this. I love this, uh, this uh, pattern on the wall, or I love uh, uh, to walk in the woods. And I'm not saying you to do away with anything. You're just saying, just be aware of what's happening there. And when there, when aggression shows up, just be aware of the aggression. Don't shut it off. It's actually the way we talk about it in this uh, particular uh, teaching is it's a Dharma gate. Anything that arises that tends to magnetize or you know suck you in or push you away or seem insignificant is a Dharma gate. Yes. So poison does not mean bad. Uh, yeah, it does. Poison is bad. Well, just a conventional way of it poisons because it it when when one is at the mercy of those situations and believe if you believe your thought patterns or if you disbelieve them. If you believe something as you're thinking something is true, or if you disbelieve it, either one, all evidence is partial. You, you, there's no way you can really fundamentally know, even relative truth. You can't fundamentally know it. You can get, get very close, as Darwin did, scientific. You get very close, but you're, you're missing something because you can't see fundamentally into everything, everything. So what I would say is uh, just work, just notice uh, notice the way the passion, aggression, and ignorance moves in your own uh, matrix, your own life, and, and just just watch that out of, with some curiosity about not not fluffing it up, not tamping it down, certainly not looking away if you can help it. And one of the ways that you can do that will help you do that is to spend time sharpening 
the the witnessing part of the mind that that part of consciousness that just it doesn't really have a location doesn't have an identity i mean sometimes uh, some teachings uh, talk about this being the the ali vijnana or try to get a location to it but it's uh, i think it's not separate from anything another question let me get michael what is it about entertainment that the ego likes so much and what is it about boredom that the ego doesn't like yeah well entertainment's fun boredom sucks <laughs> simply put so what am i saying i'm saying that entertainment is something that is kind of magnetizing and, and is kind of uh, uh you know it's like i use the idea of the nerve endings with the you know the feather across the nerve endings is very pleasant and a sharp spike across the nerve endings abruptly is very unpleasant. Same nerve endings. Same one's just abraded and one is uh, 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 teased or, or is uh, tickled. So the same thing in the mind. If too much of anything, it gets boring because we, we want some something to be filling us with some kind of entertainment all the time. The, the downside of boredom, boring. We don't know about that. But the upside of boredom is that is the sign that you're you're slowly weaning yourself away from entertainment, from the constant need for some kind of input, some kind of something coming, something happening. You wanna you wanna binge watch something, so you don't have to look at your life. Binge watch your life. Yes. <laughs> Is rebirth a sort of cosmic masochism? Is rebirth a sort of cosmic ma masochism? You're writing a. Psychology. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I just asked a question a couple of days ago about um, yes how in order to uh, that, that suffering yeah. creates uh, positive and negative sensations, yes. and so I was wondering if when you come back into this life, it's about craving. I think I think so. Is that we we want something else, and we turn away from our Buddha nature. From our enlightened nature, because we're not we're not through uh, with this schooling or this training, we come back into this uh, schoolhouse so that we can learn. And you know, the schoolhouse metaphor works a little bit. It works some. It has its. We need something, so we keep coming back into this situation over and over again, with so that we can see what it fundamentally is. And what is it fundamentally? The Buddha. Probably the first words out of his mouth to his students, that means anybody would listen to him, which was like three people at that time, is everything is dependently arisen. There's no separate, uh, there's no separate thing anywhere. And, but look at, look at us, we're all sitting here, we're all thinking, we have our own thoughts, we, we, we're, and we impute or make up or believe that I, because there's a body-mind complex here, and my awareness seems to stay in this area. It doesn't, you know, move over to Uno, except maybe two or three times in the afternoon. I might start being her for a while because it's good. It's more fun. <laughs> you know that time when we switch identities? Yeah. So probably not going to happen. I mean, I'm not saying there aren't, isn't somewhere that people do that. Um, it's, a, it's a very interesting area when, when we, we actually look closely at the so-called... Um, separation and see how we're constantly talking and interacting with others. It's called community. Uh, the positive uh, slogan that I talk about is communicate, cooperate, collaborate. If you do that, if you communicate, so we all know who's where and who's doing what and who wants this or who needs this, or, uh, then we can cooperate and we can help each other collaborate. So, yes. 
Uh, several questions have come in. One from, uh, actually, from Sandru. Uh, it has three parts to it. Um, is the brick illusory, or is it the thought it is separately existent, the illusion, or that I am separately existent, the illusion? Yeah, that's, uh, I'm not surprised that Sandru <laughs> would give me a three-part question. That was Sandru, yes. Okay. Okay. So they are illusory or unreal in different ways. And they're also real in the same way, in that they're not separate. So they're illusory in that they separate in different ways. They separate out in different ways. But they're the same in that they are fundamentally the same uh, situation. Question from uh, Kozan. Yes. She asks, if we are sitting on the cushion, should there be any intention to direct attention? I think you've mm -hmm. said give up the search, or maybe that was my other teacher. Uh-huh. <laughs> Transcendental humor from the tiger in the north. <laughs> so uh, when we say give up the search, we're talking about the intense grasping after things. We're not talking about looking at what's happening and looking at this, then looking at this, and working with some kind of uh, uh, practical way of uh, of functioning that is in an area that is pretty impractical, which is the mind, which is that open space. So sometimes I talk about, um, I'm calling it uh, uh, ASAP, alternating sense awareness practice. So alternate, so actually using, actively using the awareness. So move your awareness from sense of touch to sense, sense of uh, uh, thinking or sense of touch to sense of hearing. And notice the amazing space that is there. And where did that come from? Who created that? Are the, are the senses are the same? They're, they're operating out of the same uh, conscious uh, uh, spectrum, but they they show up differently. There's a contrast or a difference. Uh, try uh, the, one of the things that I've mentioned before in uh, the talks is uh, try to actually uh, see odors. Try to actually try to actually uh, uh, feel sound, not just a vibration, but feel that. And you can do that. Um, you can actually think um, uh, use, using thought patterns to uh, see if you can, you can take something that is uh, like a, a fragrance and try to think that. Not just remember the fragrance, but actually see if it shows up in the other sense fields. It's a powerful, it's a powerful thing of, of possibly could be discovery, but also the not discovering something is also a still awareness. We're not luck looking for something else. If you're looking for something else, then that's uh, uh, that's the search. What we're looking for is this. So take what is right here in any of the sense fields is uh, Dharma Gate. Yes. Uh, Jim Johnson, there are four people watching today from Grand Rapids. Okay, good. Him. He asks, what is the difference between daydreaming and watching what arises? Good. So uh, daydreaming is, uh, is being kind of uh, entrained. Or hypnotized by the thoughts, you're actually you actually have actually forgotten that you're you have gravity holding you down on the cushion, so you can actually watch the thoughts come and go, observe them, and to be entrained by it is to actually it kind of it gets your uh, the gets the self-centered part of your uh, consciousness matrix, and it gets it to tag along on some kind of a journey. And you actually forget you're in a room, you forget you're meditating, you forget you're just, you're here, you're still awake on some level, but you're awake in that dream. That's daydreaming. 
And then what was the other part of the question? What's the um, difference between? Just uh, watching what arises. Yeah, watching what arises. Uh, there's still, uh, you're just watching and you're not, you haven't necessarily abandoned all the other sense fields. So you still are somewhat aware of gravity. You might not be focused on it, but you, you know you're here. You know you have, you know, you can feel your clothes. You can feel your temperature of your body. You can hear sounds outside. You might be watching thoughts about um, some kind of drama that's happening in your life, perhaps. But you're you're watching that, but you're also aware that you're in the room. So everything that you're including, all of your senses, your all of your senses are open. There may not be not much going on there. You may not you may not necessarily be aware of uh, incense, uh, the fragrance of incense. But there's some kind of a presence that's very much there, that, and that presence is is just it's like sitting on the bank of a river, watching the the water flow by leaves dropping into the river. I like to use that metaphor because it's very much like very soft kind of, you notice it, but you don't add anything to it. You have respect for what's happening. Sometimes in book study, um, when we're particularly working with difficult um, yes. material like Bill Waldron's Buddhist Unconscious, um, <laughs> I, I, I feel like I'm not getting it. Yes. So even in that situation, are you suggesting that it's not necessary to look for something else. I am. Just keep look at the, looking at the not getting it, because that not getting it is behind that is the things that are that you are projecting are gettable. If you want to say that, that you're you're missing something that uh, Bill Waldron is saying about the nature of the, the Buddhist unconscious and some kind of conceptual structure, some uh, elaboration on it. And you, you feel like there's a point being made there that you might even sense that other people are, are getting that, but you're, you're missing it. What do you do then? Um, panic sometimes, feel small. Feel small um, and panic. Or other times um, uh, makes me want to dig in deeper and reread. Okay. Maybe discuss further. And so that's part of the reason for having, a, which we do every day, is sit down with a group of Sangha or temple residents or anyone else who wants to join, sit down and take uh, traditional teachings. I think there's eight of them we're working on right now, usually seven or eight, and sit down and talk about those together. So that would be a time for you to actually bring that up. You could say, this, this is not, I don't understand this, and then see if uh, people there that's a cooperative kind of thing. It isn't, you're not asking someone to get up on the podium and start lecturing. You're, you're having a conversation, which I know you've done that for many years. Is that helpful or is there some other? It's, it's just um, probably how long to do that before moving on. We, I know we've discussed that before. Well, that would be, that would be situational. If, if, uh, if other people got engaged with what you're saying and it was, it's a, a Communication, yes. But it, it's the, the point you just made about being not being entrained by yes. um, the daydream or thinking that there is something else to get. Yes. That just doesn't sound satisfying in the book studies. Here. Okay. Yeah, that's an interesting area. That's something, uh, it's how to study, how, how to study this material. And it seems to me that the way to do this is just repetition. I mean, how many times have we read Cutting Through Spiritual Materialism? countless numbers of times that I've been studying it since I first read it in 1973. Powerful book, uh, but also the, what is it, the Lankavatara Sutra, I think we're going through uh, Red Pine's translation of that for the third time and going very, very slowly. Yes. Um, one last question here from Drew yes. in Florida. For the snow globe of my mind and body, when practicing Chikantaza, 
Holding still means letting the fake snow or thoughts and feelings swirl and fall on their own. Is peripheral awareness lacking focus anywhere sufficient? Yes. Most important thing you can do is to sit down, hold still, and watch. And that doesn't mean watching what moves. That doesn't mean that you couldn't spend a whole hour just watching your breath come and go. So I, I, uh, for years, I was trained that way and I taught that. But what happens is people tend to clamp down on that and, and develop an identity of a person who's very mindful, a person who's very aware, and they uh, probably need to be confused a lot longer. So Shikantaza is about seeing the space, and then for each person here, you may, you may need to, you know, you're, I'm saying watch what moves. You may just watch thought patterns come and go. You may daydream. You may just listen to sounds. You may listen to or feel the feeling of wanting to get up over and over and over again. Yes. We have to, it's time. We have to do something else. Well, all right then. Thank you. I'd like to remind everybody once again about the donation boxes that are in the hallway. Please help us financially as much as you can. We appreciate your support. Also, we do accept donations online through PayPal and with debit and credit cards. May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's